Thank you very much, and good morning, everyone. Uh, thank you for joining us on this broadcast from First Christian Church, corner of Fudge and Monroe Streets in Covington. It's a joy for us to be able to reach out to the community and also to a lot of our uh, church members. Uh, some are shut in and can't get out, and others have not yet decided to get back into the in-person service that we have every Sunday morning at this same time, 1030. But it's a delight that uh, you can join us in this uh, radio broadcast as we continue to get the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, into lives and homes. I hope that you have the security and the assurance of knowing Jesus as your personal Savior and Lord. We're going to consider over the next uh, three weeks a very important verse of Scripture and I've entitled this series, Steps of True Discipleship. The verse that I'm speaking of is Matthew chapter 16 and verse 24. And I'd like for you to turn, if you have your Bibles, to Matthew chapter 16. And I'd like for you to highlight this verse and perhaps continue to read this verse, maybe memorize it while we're going through these very important steps of true discipleship. Do you consider yourself as a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, we're going to ask ourselves and allow Jesus and the Word of God to lead us into a, a discovery of how we can truly be followers of Jesus. Because in Matthew 16, verse 24, Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Now, I want us to go back to some earlier verses in this chapter and sort of set the text and the stage for why Jesus said what he did to his disciples. Now, here in Matthew chapter 16, beginning with about verse 13, the Bible says that Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi and he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Or who, who do people say I am? And of course they replied and said, well, some think you're John the Baptist and some Elijah, and, uh, Jeremiah maybe, or one of the other prophets. And then he asked them, who do you say I am? And that's when Simon Peter uh led by the Spirit of the Lord, made what we refer to as the good confession. He said, you are the Messiah, or the Christ, the Son of the living God. You're the anointed one. Uh, that, that's what we call our confession. And uh, Jesus clarifies that by saying, uh, you know, Simon, you didn't get that on your own. That was given to you by God. And since I am the Christ, the Son of the living God, I tell you that I'm going to build my church on that fact. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now, Jesus goes on to teach them what's going to take place. Uh, he says in verse 21, uh, uh, verse 21 says that he began to tell them, at this point he began to explain to them, What's going to happen to him? That he's going to go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders and the chief priests and the teachers of the law. That he will be killed. 
and on the third day be raised to life. Now, this was, this was uh, news to the disciples. Jesus, uh, before this time, had not been real clear about what was going to happen to him. And uh, the Bible says that in verse 22, Peter, taken by surprise by what Jesus said, began to rebuke him. And he said, never, Lord, you know, this is not, never going to happen to you. And then it was Jesus' turn to rebuke Peter. For in verse 23, Jesus says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Now, that's a, that's a pretty strong sentence that he uses there. He says, you're a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. That's a very important statement. We need to ask ourselves, what do I have in mind? When it comes to my Christian life, to my loyalty to the Lord Jesus, to what I do in this life as a Christian, do I have in mind the concerns of God or merely human, selfish concerns about me? So, that leads Jesus to lay down some foundations of what it's going to be, uh, what's going to be required of a disciple, a follower of Jesus. And that's what leads him then to say in verse 24, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. So what we're going to do these next three weeks, we're going to look at those three steps of true discipleship. Deny self, take up your cross, and follow me. What do these phrases really mean? So today, let's consider denying self. You know, denying yourself is an essential part of the Christian life. Jesus called upon those who wished to be his followers to reject the natural human inclination towards selfishness. And being human just means we're going to be selfish to some degree. We're going to be concerned about old number one, aren't we? So self-denial is so important in the Christian life. The Dictionary of Bible Themes defines self-denial as the willingness to deny oneself possessions or status in order to grow in holiness and commitment to God. I think that's a great definition. That's what self-denial really is. There has to be a willingness for me to deny myself possessions or status so that I can grow spiritually in holiness and commitment to God. The words of Jesus that are used here in the original Greek language for deny self, these were terms, strong terms, uh, in meaning. Uh, they're very similar to what Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 and 8. And these are familiar words to a lot of Christians. Uh, in Philippians 3, Paul said, Whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. And what is more, I consider a, everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. 
So Paul says the same thing, a little bit different terms, but he says, all of the happenings in my life that I would consider gains, I'm going to consider them lost. They mean nothing so that I might gain Christ. That's self-denial. Have you ever really thought deeply about what it takes to deny self? Self-denial for the Christian means renouncing one's self as the center of existence. Now, that, that goes against the natural inclination of the human will because we like to boost old number one. But that's what self-denial means. It, it's renouncing myself as the center and recognize Jesus Christ as the new center or the true center. It, it means acknowledging that the old self is dead and the new life that I've found is hidden in Christ Jesus. Um, that's what Paul says in Colossians chapter 3. Take a look at Colossians 3, 3 through 5. Paul, the apostle, writes and says concerning the, con the Christian conversion, he says, you died. When, when you became a Christian, you died. And your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Uh, I love what he says there in verse 4. When Christ, who is your life, appears. Would you say today that Christ is your life? See, that's the idea of the true center. And then in verse 5 of Colossians 3, Paul continues, Put to death, therefore, what belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Let me ask you this morning, what or who is your true center? What, what is your true center? You know, when, when we talk about a baseball or a softball, what, what's really important is what's right there in the true center, and then all that stuff uh, is intertwined and wrapped around. But, but what makes the ball what it should be is that true center. Um, I think of the parable of the rich fool. In, that Jesus told in Luke chapter 12, verses 16 through 21. Um, he told the parable to help a person who was concerned over the inheritance that he was supposed to get and couldn't get. And he came to Jesus and asked him to help him get his inheritance. And um, Jesus told the story so that people would beware of what they were so concerned about as far as possessions. And he tells a story about this rich man uh, in Luke chapter 12 about a, a rich man who had a great bumper crop and didn't even have barns enough uh, to store everything. And he said, what am I going to do? He thought to himself, the Bible says, what am I going to do? And then he, he says, I know what I'll do. I'll tear down my old barns. I'll build bigger barns and I'll store all my goods. And then I will say to myself, First he thought to himself, and then he says to himself, Why, you have plenty of goods stored up. Take your ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. And of course, the Lord comes to him and says, You're a fool. 
this very night, your life is going to end. And then who's going to get all your stuff that you leave behind? And Jesus closes this parable with verse 21 of Luke chapter 12, where he says, This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. This is how it's going to be, he says. For those who store up things for self but is not rich toward God. So let's talk about this thing of self-denial. You know, from the moment of our new birth, into Jesus Christ, self-denial becomes a daily exercise for the rest of this life. Uh, and it should be a daily exercise. It's, it's something we have to constantly discipline ourselves toward. In 1 Peter 4, and verses 1 and 2, Peter kind of uh, nails everything down the way it looks. He says, <clears throat> Since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves with the same attitude. Because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. As a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. But it's an ongoing thing. We have to maintain this attitude and sometimes our bodily suffering helps us to keep that attitude, helps us see what life is really all about. We, want, we should always constantly want the will of God and not uh, our own self-pleasure, self-desires. And, you know, the Holy Spirit helps us in that way. We are indwelled by the Holy Spirit, but we are, as a result of that, we're thrust into a conflict between uh, the divine spirit of God and the carnal self. Paul talks about that struggle in Romans chapter 7. You know, the struggle between good and bad, the struggle between taking care of myself and making sure that God is the one that, that we please and praise with our lives. Uh, it, it's an ongoing battle. And and if you deny that you uh, have that battle, then you're just fooling yourself, dear friends. Take, take a listen to what Peterson's message does with some of these verses in Romans chapter 7. For example, in verse 17 through 20, Paul talks about this conflict that he has going on on the inside. He says, I need something more. For if, if I know the law but still can't keep it, and if the power of sin within me keeps sabotaging my best intentions... I obviously need help. I realize that I don't have what it takes. I can will it, but I can't do it. I decide to do good, but I don't really do it. I decide not to do bad, but then I do it anyway. My decisions, such as they are, don't result in actions. Something has gone wrong deep within me and gets the better of me every time. See, that's the, the dilemma that Paul even realized goes on in, in his life. If, if it went on in his life, then you and I are going to experience pretty much this same dilemma. Well, who wins? Uh, does, does Paul say who wins this inner battle? Yes, in verses 24 and 25, he says, I've tried everything and nothing helps. 
I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? Isn't that the real question? The answer, thank God, is that Jesus Christ can and does. He acted to set things right in this life of contradictions, where I want to serve God with all my heart and mind, but I'm pulled by the influence of sin to do something totally different. Different. Um, in other words, the answer is the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, how do I win through Christ? How, how can I do that? Well, only by God's grace. Only by the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit can we learn to deny ourselves. Only then can we uh, win against this tug that's always within us to please me instead of pleasing God. That's what Paul talks about when he writes to Titus. In Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 13, he says, For the grace of God has appeared that, all, that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us, the grace of God teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So this is a constant battle. This idea of denying self so that God can win, so that God is pleased, so that God receives the victory. Now, what are some of the disciplines of this self-denial process? Have you, have you ever considered that? You know, fasting is one of the disciplines that will lead us to be able to deny ourselves. That's what fasting's all about. When we go through periods of fasting and prayer, we deny ourselves some of the things that we're accustomed to having, even the essentials that we will need soon. And, you know, we're resolved that we will appreciate uh, those things more. Uh, people uh, every year, there are some denominations that emphasize Lent, and that's what Lent's all about. We give up something that we're accustomed to enjoying or having so that we'll appreciate it more. That's self-denial. You know, watching in prayer. Uh, watching in prayer. Uh, Jesus, when he went into Gethsemane, you remember, he took his disciples and set them down, and he said, now watch and pray so that you won't fall into temptation. The spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. Well, that's true with all of us. The spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. So we need to deny self. We need to watch in prayer, stand ground. We need to stand our ground in prayer for one another, for lost people, for the church, for our nation. We need to watch in prayer, self-denial, a generosity, giving to the poor and the needy. Uh, this is self-denial. You know, Jesus said in Matthew 25 at the end of that, that parable, he said, I, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat and I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. And his disciples said, well, when did we see you in those conditions and do that for you? And he said, in that you did it for one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you, you did it to me. So just the idea of being generous in our lives and along with that, 
we need to make an effort to live modestly, not greedy for luxury or for riches. Uh, life is not all about how much we can uh, assume for ourselves. It's how much we can do for the Lord and for others. Remember the story of the rich man and Lazarus that uh, Jesus told? Luke chapter 16, and he says this rich man lived in luxury every day, but at his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus. And the whole moral behind the story is that the rich man, all he saw Lazarus at his gate, probably passed by him day in and day out and never lifted a finger to help him. And they both died. And Lazarus was blessed into the arms of Abraham, but the rich man was in flames. Now, you know, that story is not saying that uh, we should never uh, uh, consume things, that we should never uh, have riches. It, it just means that if, if we are blessed by God to have possessions, we need to be willing to share and to give. And perhaps the most significant way that we could practice this self-denial is how we love and esteem our brothers and sisters in Christ. Self-denial is the basis for Christian fellowship. Paul says in Philippians chapter 2, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each one of you to the interest of others. And then he goes on to say, in your relationships with each other, you need to have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. What did he do? He humbled himself. He emptied himself. He took upon himself the form of a servant. That's the whole idea of self-denial. We, we want to be like Jesus because he denied self. In 1 Corinthians 10, 24, the Apostle Paul wrote and said, No one should seek his own good but the good of others. Think about some stories in the Bible. You know, when Ruth followed Naomi, her mother-in-law, instead of going back to her own country and land and family, she practiced self-denial for the benefit of her mother-in-law. How about the story of Esther? When Esther put her life at risk to save her people, the Jews, she demonstrated self-denial. In fact, she said, if I perish, then I'll perish, but I'm going to do everything I can to help my people. And Scripture teaches us that we need to deny ourselves for the sake of those who are weak in the faith, uh, a willingness to give up our rights so that we won't be a stumbling block to those whose faith is weak. We need to be constantly pleasing others, not ourselves. Please our neighbors for their good, Paul says in Romans 15, to build them up. In verse 3, he says, even Christ did not please himself. Um, how about self-denial? Are you willing to deny self? You know, in order to have a spiritual endowment, there has to be a self-detachment. And uh, we, we definitely want the spiritual endowment, but that According to Jesus, that's not possible without a self-detachment. Uh, Jim Elliott, a uh, famous missionary that was killed in, in Ecuador in 1955, 
paraphrased this idea of self-abasement and self-denial very well when he said, He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. You know, at the gravesite, uh, the graveside rights for veterans who have served in wars. Some of them gave their lives in battle. Uh, the VFW commander doing those rights always describes the situation that was faced by those soldiers on the battlefield with the words, self was forgotten. And in this life, as we serve on the Lord's battlefield in the Christian war, the Christian battle against sin, against evil, against Satan, the same thing is true. Self must be forgotten. So the first step in true discipleship, Jesus says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. Have you, do, have you done that? Are you doing that? Are you willing to put self below and Jesus above? Jesus first, Jesus always. Thank you so much for listening today. We're going to go off the air with a Christian song. If you're not a Christian, if you want to follow Jesus, we want you to follow Jesus. But Jesus has to become your true center. No longer you, no longer self. Jesus has to be your true center. Let us pray. Thank you, Father, for these moments that we can look into your word. Oh, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for what he did for us, what he does for us, what he will do for us. Help us, Lord, to deny self so that Jesus can live in and through us and help us to be able to make a difference in the world by denying, number one, and putting Jesus, number one, priority. I pray in his name. Amen.